Just like our fathers had as they journeyed through the wilderness, this is what Jesus had to say. He said, I am, I'm the bread of life. You'll never Blessings from the Russell, Russell, Russell family. Uh, we got to meet them uh, back at camp. Um, Adam was one of our counselors. One time, I think he was even a head counselor there. And uh, they'll be with us today. And, and Brother Russell will be speaking tonight. And we're looking forward to that. So I encourage you back tonight at 6 o'clock. I like what they sang there. Man, I tell you what, thirsty? Well, there's a living spring out there. It's Jesus Christ. And He's the only one that can satisfy the drought that's in your soul. And hungry? Man, I tell you what, we need to be hungry for the Lord. Amen. And He will fill us fuller than full can be. And I thank you. When we get to eat and drink from the Word of God and His Spirit and His presence and all those things. And I'll never change. Why would we ever want to go back? My dad says, oh, you'll get over it. And I said, Dad, what I've got, I'm never going to get over. And I haven't got over it after 45 years, and I don't intend to start now. Amen? I'm looking forward to the crowns of heaven, as Brother uh, uh, Gower saying about, and you saying about this morning. Well, we're into the Sermon on the Mount. Are you ready? Take your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 5. I Forgot to announce that. Sometimes I forget to announce my text. And usually uh, I will catch my wife's attention and she will be looking at me in such a way as I know that there's something wrong. You know, you know, husbands, what it is when your wife gives you that look. You just know that you've messed up someplace. And praise the Lord for that. But my sweet wife wasn't in our first service, so I didn't get to announce the text. So now we know. We're in Matthew chapter 5. And this morning we're going to talk about pure in heart. We're going to look at this text. We're going to look at these terms. 
And we're going to look at how this truth should affect our lives. Wouldn't you agree that's important? God's Word should be affecting our lives. And so why don't we pray? Father, I ask you to do a good work in our hearts. Lord, I, I have faith in your Word. I have faith in your Spirit. And Father, those things that we can look at today is the power of this message. is not a preacher. It's not his own abilities. It's not how fancy the things are delivered. But it is the power of the Word. And it is my prayer that your Holy Spirit would do its work. And if there's anyone in here that doesn't know for certain where they're going to spend eternity, that today they'd come to grips that they're going to spend eternity somewhere. And why not make the right decision today to put their faith in Jesus Christ? And I pray that, Lord, that you'll just work in Jesus' name. Amen. As we get into the Sermon on the Mount, you'll notice that there are eight of them. And as I was thinking of this little chart up here that we put up a couple of weeks ago, this might not be a bad uh, chart to have in our devotions on a daily basis. I don't know about you, but I forget more than I remember. You know what I'm talking about? Um, it's, uh, it's a sad commentary that we, we make progress and God teaches us things, and they're so wonderful. And as I was sharing with uh, Norm, uh, I saw, I think he was in our first service this morning, uh, and at the, uh, the men's retreat, I said, you know what we learned at this men's retreat? And by the way, if you met, oh, Norm, right there you are. Hey, you're in real life. I see you. Uh, uh, and re- I think it was that you and I are talking about this as, as we go home, that, that we, need, we need to remember what we've learned. We need to put a stake down. And, and then Norm said, he says, you know what? We need to draw a line in the sand. We've crossed over this line. We're not going back. Those are the kinds of the decisions that need to be in our lives. And that's the progress in our life. And so many of those decisions where God just hammers my soul and shows me and pricks my heart. And I make those decisions. Man, those, those are life changing. But there's a lot of things in the scriptures that we forget also. And we get distracted. And this is one of the things, as I was sharing with Norm, I said, man, we've got to write some of this stuff down and we've got to keep it before us or else this conference will just kind of go by the wayside and what God intended to do in our lives will diminish. And we don't have time to diminish. I'm going to tell you something. We need to keep building upon what God keeps building our lives. And so I was thinking this morning as I looked at this, this list up here, this might be a good, good thing to put in my, my daily prayer time. You know, there are things that, that I have, I, I, Mike, I have said, this is what I'm going to pray for every day, every day. And I think this list of eight attitudes would be all right, wouldn't you? Now, I'm still working on these. Now, we're on number six today, pure in heart. And those first five were, were enough uh, to, to take some time to, to, to just develop in our lives. And as, as we go into this text, we need to understand that God's not doing things haphazardly. He's not just throwing these out in random order. I believe that God puts them in order. And what we're seeing here in this idea of poor in spirit, that's where we really need to come to. We need to empty ourselves of ourselves. And when it comes to the idea of salvation, and by the way, these attitudes is not what saves you. Only Jesus Christ and your faith in Christ 
to take away your sins and put your trust in what he did on the cross can save you. We need to get that square. And, and even as I preach, and in fact, I was thinking about some of the things I said, that sometimes we can begin to think that this or that will be what I need to add to my salvation. No, 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 no. You can't. Whoops, uh, I did something. I, yeah. Ah, yeah, ah, fat thumb. There. I, you can't add anything to salvation. It's Jesus Christ and Him alone and nothing else. Amen? He made it simple. One thing. One thing. Get it. You want to go to heaven? It's through Jesus Christ. No other way. That's what He said. And He doesn't lie. And for people to come up with their God of their imagination... Or the religion of their imagination. It's not about a religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when we put our faith and understand. And this poor in spirit though. Even though it's not. And these, these attitudes here is not what saves us. These are the qualities of which are a part or should be a part of our lives. And oftentimes they do show us how deficient we are. And it's alright to see how deficient we are. Because if we recognize how, where we, what we need to improve on, then we can work on those areas that we, improve, we need improvement. That's why I like coming to church. That's why I like reading my Bible. That's why I like studying is so that God can show me things that I can improve on. And this idea of pouring spirit, I don't want to rehash all the messages that we've had so far, but it's the idea of pouring out yourself or seeing yourself as a beggar and recognizing your sin. We've all lied. We've all stolen. We've all committed acts of blasphemy and not putting God first or disobedience to parents. We've broken God's law. We are destitute and we are poor. We are a beggar. And when we see how poor we are, then we can cry out to God and say, Oh God, I need you to save me. It's not my accomplishments. It's not my hands. It's not any religion that's going to save a person. It is only Jesus Christ. You realize He can rescue you. That's what being saved is. He rescues you from the penalty of sin. I am so glad He rescued me from the penalty of sin. And the longer I'm saved, the more I realize how destitute and how much I need Him. And then we mourn. And that mourning is... Is uh, uh, you know, like I say, the closer you get to the Lord, the more you grow. These are these are uh, an aspect, and not only uh, on one side that we see this chart in these first four, but they also have their counterpart on the other side. So as we look at this mourning and mourning over sin, and then and then becoming meek, and this idea of meekness is 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 humility and and realize I can't you know I'm not going to save myself, and I can't walk in my own strength. I depend on Him for everything. Meekness and that idea of not seeking revenge. You know, sometimes people think they're going to have revenge in their mind. I'm not going to forgive that guy. I'm going to punish that guy. Who are you really punishing? You're punishing yourself. We can forgive. And then when I see if I poured out myself and how hungry and how thirsty I am for righteousness, for the things of God, I never thought. I mean, when I was 15 years old, that's when I accepted the Lord. I never thought that I would hunger for the things of God before I got saved. You know, I looked at the Bible, saw the pictures there and says, well, you know, that's interesting pictures. But I tell you what, after I got saved as a newborn babe desires, and that's a part of the evidence of our salvation is that, man, we've got a desire to find out what's in this book. I want to know more and more. 
And then as you go and that poor and, and what we said uh, two weeks ago, we talked about this, that poor in spirit. When I realize what a beggar I am, then I can have that aspect of mercy and and extending mercy. When I realize how much God has forgiven me of, then I can extend mercy to other people. We use the illustration of the man that went before his master and he owed them this incredible debt. Somewhere around three million dollars. The master says, Larry, I'm going to forgive you that three million dollars. Yeah, yeah. Praise God for that. But then how would it be for Larry to go out and find Mr. Alberts? And Mr. Alberts owes Larry seventeen dollars and ninety five cents. You better pay up, buddy. Or I'm going to throw you in prison. He throws him in prison until he can pay up the 17.9. You would, it'd be unthinkable, wouldn't it, Larry? Unthinkable. And he uses that illustration to help us to understand we have been forgiven a far greater debt than $3 million. We have been forgiven of sin's penalty, which is damnation in hell. And we have given a home in heaven. Why do I have difficulty forgiving those who have wronged me? It's like 1795. And so God says, be merciful. These are qualities that need to develop in our lives. And, and truly, we are a work in progress. And as God uh, shows us these attitudes and, and we recognize our deficiencies, we work on them. Then this morning is pure in heart. And we'll talk about that. Then, then as you see this progression, if you're meek, you're going to make peace. But it's interesting, the, the parallel there of hunger and thirst and being persecuted. Can you imagine as you see these things building and the counterparts in there? Then you're hungering and thirsting after righteousness and you're loving God. And then the counterpart being persecuted. Persecuted? Let me say this. The Bible says all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. The more in love you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, the more you hunger and long to be like him. The brighter your light shines, the more persecution will come your way. You know, think about that shooting in Roseburg this week. I guess as as I heard about it, we weren't getting the paper and didn't see many things on the news and all. But we started hearing some 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 rumors, which we thought made it might have been rumors, but turns out to be true because it's the, the, the national news now is finally reporting it. But just in a little little spurt out there. The man was going around and asking if you're a Christian. And if they were a Christian, he shot them in the head. You know, you think, boy, that's a horrible tragedy. It is. It is. But that's not the end of the story. When we die, we spend eternity somewhere. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you'll spend eternity in heaven. And can you imagine, yes, the horror and the fright and the fear and all this that's going on. But as soon as that bullet ended your brain and your life departed, you found yourself in the very presence of God. Wow. We have to understand that this world, that that this is not the end of things. And that's why sometimes people have troubles understanding about justice and difficulties and things like that. There is an eternity somewhere. And there are blessed rewards for those who will suffer for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll get to that when we come to that idea of persecuted. So let's go back now to this pure in heart. This pure in heart. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> these terms that are used here. The first term we're going to look at is heart. 
Now, there's a lot said about the Bible, in the Bible about the heart. Isn't that right? Now, he's not talking about that which palpates in our chest. He's talking about the center of our life, our will, our intellect, our emotions, those things that make us who we are. God wants our heart to be in tune with him. And it's interesting, and I've talked about this before, that as Jesus comes on this scene, he is dealing with a, an audience <clears throat> that really has lost sight of what is important to God. It was a very external world. When I say external, when you go to the religious people, they were all about their ethics and their codes and their religion and all those things that are on the outside. And I believe that Jesus is addressing these things. They were caught up in their religiosity. In fact, it was Jesus who called the religious leaders whited sepulchers. Yeah, they paint the outside and it looks good on the outside. But inside is full of dead man's bones. And can I just say this? You know, God is interested in our hearts, where our heart is. Oh, I believe that what's in on the inside does start manifesting itself on the outside. At least it should. Amen. But they had lost sight of that. They, they weren't care. They were, I mean, they were so corrupt in their religion. And then you talk about the Romans. It was all about power and prestige and, and those kinds of things. And it was, it was a very wicked society, a very uh, um, worldly society of sexual pleasures and power and those kinds of things. And as Jesus comes to give his first important message out here that uh, he sits with all these people that are up there. He's starting to talk about these things that in, 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 in their minds, this is different. Pure in heart. Pure in heart. And to me, this is fascinating because, you know, as you looked at the corruption, as you look at the morality. He preaches right at us and what our heart needs to be. He doesn't deal with taxes, right? He doesn't deal with the, the corruption in government. And our government, whether we like it or not, is our government, isn't it? He deals with the heart of the issue, which is man's heart. If America is going to change, America needs a change of heart. You know, after the shooting down there in Roseburg, I understand that our president, I didn't hear this, but I understand our president got up and talked about that it's the guns problem. The guns problem. Can I say it's not the guns problem? It's man's problem. It's the heart of man. That's desperately wicked. And needs to get saved. And what's happened is our country is leaving God out. And even though we cry for peace and all we talk about love and everything, is do you sense that our world is getting more loving or more hateful? So as we leave God out of the equation, we're finding this. But it is interesting. I don't know how many have heard uh, uh, our president's, uh, he was talking to the reporters on Friday. And I, and I, I stopped and I said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to this and see what he has to say. And, you know, there's a lot that uh, was said and everything. But he, he caught my attention in one thing. It was interesting as he was talking about this situation in, in Roseburg. He, he did address, he says, original Sin. Isn't that something? 
sin. Sin is the problem. And man is sinful. In fact, as we go into the study of these things and about the heart, it says out of the heart proceeds what? Evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, theft, false witness, blasphemies. Hey, listen, if this is coming out of the heart, we need to change the heart. Gun control are all the laws. And by the way, do you think there's a few laws in our country nowadays? You know, all the laws and even to Israel, to all the laws. And they didn't have that many laws, but they had a significant amount. Could all the laws change a man? No, it just shows you how inept you are and you become a law abider. So the heart needs to be changed, not by the law, but by the grace of God and by being born again. He uh, he goes on to Proverbs chapter four, verse 23. Keep thy heart, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Out of it are the issues of life. Boy, I tell you, yeah, oftentimes we can tell what's in our heart by what issues come out of our mouths and our reactions towards things. Now, God wants us to serve him with all of our hearts. Amen to that. God wants us to have a passion for him. But the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You can try all you want to be that kind of person that's going to be an upstanding citizen, and you can do fairly well. But the Bible says our heart is desperately wicked and it needs to be changed. We need to have a new heart given into us. Genesis 6, 5 talks about, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of his thoughts, of his heart, was only evil continually. This was in the time of when? Noah. What happened in the time of Noah? He sent a flood. Judged this world. And the Bible says that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man comes back. You know what we're going to see? We're going to continue to see this spiral as people reject God and turn away from the truth. We're going to see this spiral continuing. I mean, the things that are going on today, I dare say that many of you that are over... um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Some of you might not remember, even though you're over that age. Uh, we would have never thought we would ever see some of the things that we're seeing today. Would you not agree? We just couldn't even imagine. But it says the imagination and the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. Start shooting children. Any place, any place. Oh, my. Well, our heart needs to be changed. Create in me a clean heart. Okay, now stop. David is saying this after he has committed his sin with Bathsheba, the adultery. And so if he says, create in me a clean heart. Now, you have to understand who's he's asking to create in him that clean heart. God. It's not your human effort. Well, I'm going to try to clean up my life. I'm going to tell you something. We had such a marvelous presentation at the men's retreat about trusting in what God has done for us and recognizing who we are in God. It's God's strength. It's what God does. 
And to a lost person, they can never understand that miracle that takes place in a man's heart when he is born again. When he is saved. I'm telling you, I could have never thought I'd be up here preaching 45 years ago. I used to hate church. But when God created in me a clean heart, a new heart. He came into my soul. And that word create, you know, interesting word, Mike. That word create is the word that God used in creating the world. God creates in me a clean heart. When you are born again, you are given a new heart, a new life. Oh, God, and renew a right spirit within me. Here in Hebrews 9.22, it says, Almost all things are uh, by law purged. With blood and without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. We need to understand that it was never the law. It was never morality that would save a person. It's not about how good you are. The Bible says we are all sinners and we've come short of the glory of God. And without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. That's why God sent his son to die on the cross. And suffer such a horrible death. And in fact, as we sang or we saw the words up on the string when they, the girls were uh, playing the old rugged cross. He buffered. He, buffered, he suffered, uh, suffered not only the, the cruelty physically, but the shame that he suffered on that cross. He died to take away my sins. And if I will put my trust in him, he will take away the penalty of my sin and he'll give me a new heart. A heart that has a desire for Him. Amen and amen. Not by works of righteousness, not my own efforts, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saves us. By the washing of regeneration. That's a neat word, isn't it? Washing. My heart has been scrubbed clean, regenerated, which means recreated. That's what the word regeneration means. means recreated. I'm not the same person. And I praise God I'm not the same person. I've been born again. And the renewing of the Holy Spirit. I want to ask you this question. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Bottom line. You're going to die and spend eternity somewhere. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. And then when He gives you this clean heart, this new heart, a pure heart. And by the way, that's the only way your heart can be purified is through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He gives you this new heart. Guess what happens? Well, you're growing in this new life. And you go out and maybe you stumble or you do something wrong or you sin. Guess what happens? It bugs you. Right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? It bugs you. And there, uh, we in whom we have this redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to His riches of His grace. Now... Now that I've been born again, now that I have this heart for God and and He gives me this heart for Him. And let me just say this, there should be a passion for Him. Amen to that? A passion for Him. If we confess, and the idea of that word if is also the idea of since. What I discovered is after I've been saved, now I see those spots that show up in the ill things that I do as a born-again believer. And by the way, you will still do things as a born-again believer that is wrong. But it bothers you. And you want to take care of it, right? 
In fact, it bothered me so much after I gotten saved. I was confessing and confessing, and I started thinking, well, Mike, I might, I might not be saved. How come all this is troubling? But that was the evidence of my salvation because the Holy Spirit had purified my heart. Now these stains and these things came in where they felt uncomfortable. Just like you ladies, if you put on a tea, and some of you are going to the teas. I think we already had a tea. Is that correct? One yesterday. You're going to go to these teas and everything, and you put out your linen. And everything, and you have the ladies over, you have this beautiful uh, tablecloth out there, and everything, and one of the ladies spilled some ketchup on it. Now, I know you ladies. Does that bother you? Now, I'm sure it doesn't bother you to the place that you throw the other person out that did it. But once everybody leaves, what do you do? You spray it? No, you spray it? Because all you ladies are sweet, right? You spray it to get rid of the spot. I dare say the next tea you have, you don't bring out the tablecloth without washing it, right? And you don't serve ketchup anymore. (laughs) The whole idea is you see it, you know, and the closer you get to the Lord, the more you see. And that's, you know, that brother Gower, I'm sure you see this, the more painful it is. That's why that morning there. That morning comes in because the more closer we see to the Lord, the more these things trouble us. Because we love the one who gave his life for us. Amen. So we've talked about now the heart. Now let's go into um, the pure here. So we have to understand what is this pure. And as I've already talked about, there's only one way that you can find this, this purity in your life. And that is by the Lord Jesus Christ. And putting him into your heart. But here, I want to turn over. Since we're in Matthew, turn to Matthew chapter 6, if you would. And let's start with um, verse 21. Because this word pure has an interesting uh, meaning to it. It is a word uh, for singleness. It is the word... For not hypocritical. It is the word for not woven together. It is actually a word that uh, in the Latin we get our word chase. Now, do you all know what the word chase means? I'm not talking about chase MasterCard. Chase means for a boy or a man and a woman to keep themselves Pure until they get married. That's what chase is. I'm not going to mingle the purity with wrong. And that's what this word comes from. It's also a, uh, a, uh, uh, a word for not alloyed. You know what alloyed is? It's, uh, Brother Mike, you know what alloyed is. It's the mixture of metals. Purity is 100%. When you talk about gold and 100% pure, when you uh, men talk about getting a diamond for your fiance and you go to the to the uh, to the to the jeweler and he says and they'll, they'll give you the clarity of that. And you discover whether this is this is pure and whether this is what it is supposed to be. And so when we serve the Lord, God doesn't want us to have 
mixtures in our lives and primarily the mixture of God and this world. In fact, this is what this this passage in Matthew chapter six, verse 21, it says, uh, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And then you've heard me preach on this before. The light of the body is the eye. What's my focus? What's my vision? What am I looking at? What am I scoping out? He says, if thy eye be single, I am focused. Then it says the whole body is full of light. And this focus is on the light, which is Jesus Christ. And so as I keep my focus on the Lord, I'm not going to be distracted or entangled by the things of this world. I keep my focus there. He says then uh, 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 that, that the whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil... Thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Then he says, no man can serve two masters. God wants us to have a single focus as a born-again believer, and that is on the Lord Jesus Christ and bringing Him glory. For neither he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. God wants us to be enslaved to Him. God wants us to be 100% pure to Him. Amen to that? And God wants us to give our entire heart. In fact, God says, Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. Now, I'll tell you what. I ask you and myself, is that the case? Or is there alloyed in my life? Is there alloyed in my life? And I want to be honest with myself. Is my passion for God? Man, we, we should have this passion. I can get passionate about a lot of things. In fact, I usually put my whole self in things. Sometimes that gets me in trouble. We had the um, men's retreat. And my wife said, Don't you hurt yourself. And you men know what I mean by that haunting voice that's in the mind and everything. And I and they played uh, uh, flag football. And uh, the little kid in me just could not contain himself. And so I went out and played football. And I thought, oh, I better not get hurt. Well, on one play, my glasses fell off. And I thought to myself, if somebody stepped on my glasses, my wife is going to find out that I played football. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I was more concerned about what was going to happen when I got home than my glasses. I was going to get beat. Y'all understand that, right? Yeah. <laughs> my wife, I mean, she's such a big brute, isn't she? It's amazing how they can... And... Uh, <laughs> When I came home, my glasses weren't stepped on, Larry, and my glasses were just fine. But I didn't know that there was a little thing right here. Y'all see that, Norm? Y'all see that? I didn't know until I got oh, she She saw that. What did you do? <laughs> yeah, and I just, what, you know, you can see a pat. In fact, I got so pat. Poor, poor Drew. You know Drew, tall, lanky, skinny fellow. I mean, the wind could blow him away. I'm sitting there blocking him. 
pour through. Vroom, vroom. You know, I'm, 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 not, I'm not really being very merciful or gracious. or any, I mean, I'm just caught up in the moment. And one time, I stopped being in alignment, and they let me go out, and I caught a path. Believe it that I had or not. And I started running, and I thought of, 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 of uh, whatever. You know what? I'm running, I'm putting myself in, and Drew's coming at me. And I stiff-armed him. <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, we get excited about that. We get excited about the ducks. We need to get excited about Jesus Christ. And we need to keep the alloys out of our lives. And that which is coming in our lives that's stealing our passion for God. Matthew 6, 22, The light of the body is the eye, and if therefore thine eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. Oh, I'm telling you, there's so much truth in these things. Now listen, listen to this verse here. James chapter 4, he talks about here in the first part of this passage is about prayer. And he says, you have not because you ask not. Then he says, you ask amiss to consume it upon your lust. That's in verse 3. To consume it upon your lust. And then he says, you adulterers. That's an interesting word. He is saying that it, we are, when you are born again, you are married or you have this union with Christ. He is, he is the bride and we're the bride. Uh, he's the bridegroom. We're the bride, right? And all through the Bible, we see idolatry and things like that uh, likened to adultery. And what he is saying here, he's saying, listen, when you are consumed with yourself and this me generation and the selfishness and these lusts, he says, listen, it's like you're married to somebody else and you're having an affair. And I'll tell you what, this spoke to my heart this morning. When he says, I want you to be pure at heart, he doesn't say, I want you to have 75% good. He says, I want you to have 100% purity in your heart. Can you imagine telling your wife, listen, I'm going to be faithful to you 75% of the time? And he's likened this relationship to ourselves and putting ourselves in this equation as adultery. I don't know about you, but that smoked me because sometimes I think, well, I'm being selfish. And he says, man, you're having an affair with yourself. And you're supposed to be in love with me and you love yourself more than you love me. Now, let's stop and be honest with ourselves. Do we love anything more than we love God? If it's ourselves even. And we are very much in a me-centered generation. (sighs) Know ye not that the friendship of this world is enmity with God. You know what that word enmity means? Hatred. Hatred. If I went out and had an affair with my wife, it would be an act of hatred. Are these strong words? We've become so complacent and so casual in our relationship that we don't mind the alloys in our life. And God says, no, I want you to be pure. Get rid of anything that's going to taint that purity. And if God's bringing something into your mind, make sure you go home and deal with it. Whosoever will be a friend to the world is the... Praise God for those people down there in Roseburg who are not ashamed to stand up or to lay there in fear and say, yes, I am a Christian.
They love Jesus Christ more than they love their own lives. For eight, this is interesting. Draw nigh to God. You know, we've been uh, on Wednesday nights talking about this, our position in Christ. We've been talking about this heiress. It was so wonderful that Brother Hardy brought this out in one of his messages. It's such a dynamic truth. We're going to deal with it this Wednesday night. We're just trying to gain ownership and understanding of this. The word draw nigh, Pastor uh, Dan, the word draw there is in the heiress tense. Meaning, you stay where you are. Stay in the fortress. Stay in the presence. Stay in the relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be wandering. We're going to sing a song for invitation. It's called, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. The second verse says, Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. You know, God says, Stay where you are. Don't be lured away. What you've got is the very best thing in the world. The very best thing in eternity. You've got Jesus Christ. Why are we so lured to the... The, the, the bait of Satan out there. Keep your heart. Guard your heart. Cleanse your hands, ye sinner, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You know what? This is the problem. This is the problem. The average Christian is double-minded. We call it schizophrenic Christianity. Sometimes your heart's with God and sometimes it's not. Honey... Do you want my heart to be 100% for you? No one else. And it is. No one else. It needs to be that way with Jesus Christ. No one else. Double-minded there is, is the idea that's going to bring confusion in your life. And that, that, that word double-minded uh, has the idea of uncertainty. Doubting. You know, the average Christian has never tasted and saw how great God is. He says, oh, taste and see. Uh, what does it say? Uh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. There is a del- delicacy out there. Make God that delicacy, not the things of this world. The devil wants to get you distracted. You be understanding that without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh God, you must believe. Believe that He is and that He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. The psalmist says, Teach me Thy ways, O Lord. I will walk in Thy truth. Unite my heart to fear Thy name. Oh God, help us to have a pure heart. And then the truth that can come out of this, and let me just quickly go over these last few things. Uh, Who shall ascend to the hills of the Lord? Or who shall stand in His holy place? He that hath cleansed hands and a pure heart. Who hath not lifted up his soul into vanity, nor sworn deceitfully? John 3, 3 says, Jesus answered and said to Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. True statement? Absolutely. Nicodemus? If you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. The only way your heart and my heart can be purified is through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the entire Bible is about. It's about Jesus Christ coming to redeem mankind. From Genesis 3.15, after the fall of man, to the book of Revelation, Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. One way to heaven. 1 John 3.2 says, Beloved, now we are the sons of God. 
And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for he shall see, we shall see him as he is. So when it says, blessed are the pure in God, for they shall see God. They will see God. You know, I know that someday I'm going to stand face to face with my Lord. I have an audience with the King. That's going to be a wonderful day. I'm just looking forward to it. And yes, someday you will die. But you know, I think that there's a deeper understanding here in this seeing God. Is Do you know I see God today? I can see God in creation. Can't you? I mean, you look around and you see the power of God manifested in so many ways. Only a fool would reject that there's a designer and a creator. And his name is God, Jehovah. We shall see Him. We can see Him in creation. We can see Him in our lives. Now that I'm born again, boy, I'll tell you what, He gives me wisdom and He speaks and He talks and He shares and He helps me on my journey. Wow. Why would I not want to keep my eyes upon the Lord? Job says, you know what? I've heard about you. But you know what? God used creation to help Job understand His power. He says, Job, do you understand how that eagle stays up in the air? You know how these mountains were made and all these things that are going on? And Job finally confessed, oh, wretched man that I am. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. Do you see God? Oh, I'm telling you what, it's a great way to walk. And the clearer that picture of God gets, the closer you get to the Lord and, and just, oh, how wonderful it is. I pray not that thou should take them out of the world, but that thou should keep them from the evil. And our God keeps us from the evil. Some people say, well, you know, I want this pure life. And so often we're trying. No, it's not a matter of trying. It's a matter of trusting in what God has done. He's given to us all things that pertain unto godliness. And then just in closing, may this be our invitation this morning. Psalm 26, verse 2. Examine me, O Lord. You know what, my friends, if I want this purity in my heart, I want to recognize if there's any alloy in my life. And it should be on a daily basis that we say, Lord, will you search me and see if there's anything that's come in that's taken me off course? Because you know what? Sometimes a sin that's not taken care of today can start germinating. Germinating? Is that the right word? And start growing and developing in our lives. Examine me. And that word examine means to scrutinize me. Be honest. You know, so often we are so good at making excuses. Well, I did this because of that. You know, sometimes people want to uh, blame their environment or their circumstances. Could, would that work for Adam and Eve? I'm going to tell you something. It's not about circumstances. It's about our heart. Keep it pure. Search me, O oh God. And then this word, prove me. You know what the word prove means? Trials. Trials. The trials of our life is showing to us, examining. It's like they say when the bottle is tipped over, what's in the bottle comes out through the difficulties, even though we might not like these difficulties, even though we might not like these, these situations on the Lord. God is refining us in our lives through the trials, right or wrong. You know, we just, uh, this week, our developer backed out of the... Um, purchase of the property. 
three years with him and and backed out. Situations, I'm not sure why, but we were praying for God's will to be done and it happened. And I don't know all about that. But you know, as we trust the Lord and whatever he's got for the future, we trust in him in whatever takes place. I believe God has something better. But whether it's better or not, does that mean I shouldn't trust him? Because you'll find that there are times of that persecution. There's times of those struggles that come into our lives. And God is building our lives. We are a work in progress. The word tried there is the word for smelt. You know what the word smelt is? It's where you take the gold and you say, you know what, I'm going to put it in the furnace. And I'm going to let the dross come out so we can get rid of the dross or the silver or whatever it is. So I can get rid of the impurities so that what is left is pure. You know, when the heat is turned up on your life so often, we resist it, we fight against it. Yet God says, man, I'm doing this to build your life. Our human nature resists it, though. Try the reins of my heart. And then the last verse, Psalms 57, 7. My heart is what? Fixed. Don't let the devil pull you away from what you have. And you know what? When God emphasizes in his word uh, uh, either a double statement or a triple statement, he's emphasizing. He says, my heart is fixed, oh God. My heart is fixed. You see conviction there? I'm going to tell you something. Some of us need to get under greater conviction and keeping our heart in tune with the Lord. And don't let the devil rob you of your future. Notice he says there after that, he says, I'm going to sing and I'm going to give praise. You're going to find the person that understands and is in love with the Lord and stays there. He has a more joyful and merry heart, even though he might be going through the worst of times. Keep your heart fixed. Carolyn came up after the service in the, in the, in the first service and, and she, she wrote this down. And bless her heart, I'm telling you, you know, this is so wonderful. She said, my heart is fixed. Why would I be interested in the rest when I have the best? Father, I pray that you'll just now help us in our, in our lives as we, 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 we look into it. We examine our hearts. We, we ask you to examine our hearts. We can be, we can be, uh, we, can, we can be either too hard on ourselves or we can be too soft on ourselves. But Lord, when you speak to our hearts and you show us and you help us to understand, we don't need the condemnation of Satan, nor do we need the, the, the complacency of our flesh. We need the correction and the conviction that you place in our hearts. And we put down the stakes in our lives and we don't move them. Help us, Father, to realize who we are in Christ. You've cleansed our heart. And I'm thankful for the conviction that you bring in my life when I let you down. And Lord, that growth process of continuing to grow. But we must start this process by being born again. On a journey that leads to eternal life. And in the process of our growth and all, each and every one of us, Lord, I pray that you'll give us a passion for thee. I'm afraid that too often, just like the alloy, it takes away that passion for thee because there's so many distractions or so many things that we're pursuing rather than that which is good. So now, Lord, I pray, take the message through the power of the Holy Spirit, the word of God. May it do its work in our soul. I am so glad that 45 years ago you saved my soul. 
You cleansed me and made me whole. And I have everything. Now, Lord, just walking and through this world that sometimes it can create and show those things that are weaknesses in our lives. But, oh, Lord, help us to be in love with you and keep our heart where it needs to be. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Where are you? Where's your heart? Can you be honest with yourself? Can I be honest with myself? Where are you going to spend eternity? You know, you need to have an answer to that. Saying, I don't know, is not... It it is an answer. But don't be satisfied with, I don't know. Why don't you pursue to find out and discover truth? Why don't you pursue and find out and discover Jesus Christ? In in reality, he he, He came to me and showed me my need of being a... Uh, that I was a sinner and I needed Him and I put my faith and trust in Him. Why don't you do the same right now? Put your faith in Jesus Christ. He will change you. He will convert you. Well, say, I don't want to be converted. Well, I'm going to tell you something, my friends. I want to be changed because I had a desperate heart, a wicked heart, and God saved me and gave me a new life. And I like this side of the fence better than the other side of the fence. I want to encourage you. Put your faith in the Lord. Why don't you do it right now even? I need to discover where I'm going to spend eternity. And then for you that who knows that you're going to heaven, you've got no doubt, you've, been, you've accepted, you've put your faith and trust. As you look into your heart, is there alloyed there? And I had to, be, I had to come to terms. And I, I'll tell you, yes, we had a great conference. And God spoke to my heart in this conference. And yes, I need to put down some stakes. We don't need to be on the sidelines. We need to be serving the Lord Jesus Christ with all of our hearts. But this morning, what smote my heart probably the greatest is that James 4.4, when he calls them adulterers. He's speaking to Christians there. And he's saying, when you love this world, that's that's an affair. And yet so often we don't see it that way. I want my love for the Lord to be genuine, to be pure. So as God speaks to your heart, will you just make the right decisions now? You know, Lord, where we all are. Lord, we're, we're coming. We're a work in progress. We're growing. And oh, I pray that you spoke to our hearts like you have mine this morning. Those that need to be saved, Lord, help them to get saved before it's eternally too late. God, I beg of you, your Holy Spirit, to prick that heart. Those that here this morning aren't certain of their eternal destiny. Lord, those that maybe don't see the effects of sin, prick their hearts. And Lord, we'll thank you for that. And we'll be thankful for how you work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Come, thou fount of every blessing. It's page number 28 in the book. As we sang it this morning, I... I thought uh, I'd picked out another verse of song, but this one just seemed to fit better the message this morning. Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy praise. You know, there ought to be something there in your life that's singing praises all the day long, rejoicing in the Lord. The alloy will cause you to miss out on that joy that God can give you. Because you know what happens? 
When the alloyed is there, oftentimes the circumstances of your life causes you to see the things that are going on in your life and you take your eyes off of Jesus. Then you begin to worry about this and then you begin to focus on this and your joy departs. No matter what happens in our lives as we keep our eye single, no alloyed. You'll discover that through the trials and through the provings and through those smelting pots that God can bring in our lives. You all know what I'm talking about? Uh, Friday I had a, a time. I'll, I'll talk about it on Wednesday night. I'll tell you about it. How's that sound? All right. We all have times in our lives. And it shows us what's going on in our lives. Let's stand together. Come thou found. Page number 26, 28. Excuse me.